Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com. And as is customary, I am joined by my friend, my partner, my brother in arms in startups, the founder and CEO of Startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, this one, uh, this one might be a little heavy today. We want to talk about failure. More specifically, how do we separate the reality of how we're perceived when we fail as founders versus what's going on in the attic, right? <laughs> what's going on in our minds as we think through and start to build up the, the picture of how we think people are thinking about us. How, how close are we on this usually? You know, it's weird because I think the more narcissistic we are, and here's what's a funny thing. When our startup fails, we may be at the height of our narcissism. And I don't mean that's because of why it failed. That might also be true. Yeah. I mean, we've never spent more time thinking about ourselves and how we're affected than the moment at which the startup takes a header and the whole world gets very small all of a sudden. And it's all about us. In our minds, it's all about us, right? Everyone's thinking about what we did. Everyone's thinking about the mistakes we made or what's going to happen next to us. Like, it's all about us. And yet, <laughs> yet, it's sort of not. And I think that's what we'll talk about in this episode, where when we think we fail, the world has ended and the world hates us. In TLDR, world doesn't give a shit. <laughs> the world moved on like within three seconds of what we thought was going to happen. So let, let's get into that. All right. So before we get into this next topic, I just want to let you know, what we talk about here is like, 1% of the conversation. You know, really this conversation is going on all day long online at groups.startups.com where Ryan and I pretty much talk endlessly with founders about every one of these topics. So if by the end of this discussion, you like the topic and you want to dig into it a little bit more with Ryan and I, just head to groups.startups.com and we'll pick it up from there. Sounds fair. Yeah. I mean, I, and it's, it's so tough, right? When we go through these moments of failure where, you know, and whether it's complete abject failure or just a failing on the part of the founder or the company uh, through a given event, we just play it over and over and over and over in our heads. I mean, we, we are our own echo chamber. And then in my case, like I've always then designed a surrounding echo chamber, which are the people who probably will care the most and then I just allow that to become the cadence for what I think everybody else in the world is thinking, right? There might be three people who really were heavily impacted by the failure. And yet somehow in my mind, this becomes the entire universe, right? And again, we talk about this a lot. It's not a conversation that's actually happening anywhere, right? This is just in our heads, right? We're not actually you know, speaking with anybody, asking them how they feel. We're imagining it. And then in my case, I'm copy pasting that across the population of the planet. That's the problem. We're projecting. Yes. So first, let's isolate all the people that are actually affected. Yeah. So let's talk about employees. Obviously, you know, partners, co-founders is part of that. For sure. Let's talk about our customers, perhaps our investors. Let's talk about our family. Let's talk about our friends. You know, let's talk about all the different pieces that we're so concerned about. But let's start with the team because obviously those people are most connected to it. I don't want to overlook the impact of failure and what it has on the team, right? Of course, super important. People are losing their jobs, et cetera. But people do lose their jobs. I'm not making light of this. I'm not. I'm just saying it does happen. And when we look at that, we think we've ruined everybody's lives. We've made people's lives more difficult for a moment. 
it's going to suck. Our lives are going to suck, but they'll move on, right? They're not sitting around going, oh my God, I can't believe this company failed. I am going to be unemployed for 60 years because of this failure. <laughs> yep. like, this nope. is just the last moment of my life. It's not realistic. No, no. They they quickly shift into, you know, I need to go and do something, right? They will start to take action. Yeah, they there may be a few thoughts that get, that get shot your way, uh, but the vast majority of them are going to be factoring in what is it that they need to do to make sure that they're okay, right? They're going to they're going to become rightfully narcissistic in their own right and and start to focus on what they need to do, right? It has nothing to do with you at that point. You know, again, maybe there's a moment or two of blame. Likely happened well before the failure. In most cases, you know, when when I've I've talked to uh, to folks that I failed in the past, it was like, yeah, we saw that coming and we were sort of prepared for it. So when the moment arrived, you know, we were already sort of in the life raft watching you flailing around in the water. So, cool. <laughs> Perfect. But it's not, this is what we'll keep coming back to. In our minds, we failed these people. We have a forever brand that says we have failed you and your life is ruined because of me. It's not really the way it goes. In week one, it feels like that when people are packing up their shit and leaving the office or whatever that <laughs> yep. is in today's virtual environment, you're right, like turning off their Zoom for the last time. You see people, so-and-so has left the Slack, right? Yeah, that's, that's sort it. of all we that's get it. at this it, point. It, again, not making light of it because it's some heavy shit. However, however, within that moment, it feels like all the weight in the world. And then it just isn't. And then a week goes by. And people just stop talking to you. Now, again, that doesn't feel awesome. But what I'm saying is because they're busy going, like putting their lives back together and figuring their stuff out. Within a month, they found another job. And the only thing on their mind at that point isn't what you may or may not have done. It's, okay, where do I start my new job? And you know, where's my desk going to be? And what's my salary going to be? Like, They're gone. They're, their heads are in totally different places. Completely checked out at this point. But the point of all this, and really what we're talking about today is as the founders, our heads are not somewhere else. We don't just pick up and get another job the next day and not think about it. We dwell. Yes. <laughs> and our dwelling comes from a massive, massive misperception of what the world is actually thinking. Our poor, totally in place projection of what everybody thinks and how everybody thinks destroys us for a long, long, long time and creates serious problems serious problems around depression and anxiety, et cetera, that I don't think a lot of people from the outside truly appreciate what these founders are going through or know how to react to it. So what we'll do today is we'll pick it apart. We'll talk about here's exactly what's going through your head and here's why it's mostly just all bullshit. Yeah. You hit on a couple really important points there. One, other people don't know what you're going through and it's all in your head. And that's why they don't know what you're going through, right? <laughs> if point. you were yeah. having these conversations a, you wouldn't have the same level of guilt or fear or sadness around what's being said about you. The reality is nothing's being said about you. But because we keep all of this inside, A, the, the rest of the world can't confirm for us that this is in fact not what's happening. And they don't know to the extent that, that we're suffering, right? And you, you know, we use the example first of of the team, which is the people closest to this, the people who will absolutely be most affected beyond the founder by the failure. 
Right now, okay, you could make an argument that in some cases, catastrophic failures uh, where people are really reliant on the platform or the service or whatever, that can have a huge impact on the clients as well, right? And yes, that is true, but it's not usually the same as, as everybody having to pack up and go home, right? It doesn't usually result to domino effect failure. There are some examples of it, sure, very, very few. And so if this is the, the closest circle to us, and as you said, Will, within a week, they've moved on, they're checked out, as we work our way out in concentric circles, how long do you think it takes for everybody else to get over this? And yet you and I both have examples of founders that we will talk to years after the failure and they're still apologetic about it. And we're like, fuck, I forgot you had that company, let alone that it failed. Like that is so far off anybody else's radar. If you stop talking about it, the last voice that is talking about it will finally be gone, right? It's incumbent on us to move on, right? And yet we have so much trouble doing it. Let's talk about why no one cares. Actually, where where this comes from in, in really a, a, a bit of an oratory on the current state of the world, why this is getting worse. And this might be the only time where it actually benefits us. Sure. <laughs> the world has gotten exponentially more narcissistic. Again, we can come up with a whole bunch of reasons why. What I would point to as kind of one of the most obvious is just kind of the explosion of social media over the last couple of decades, which is specifically based on what am I doing, right? Like everything is about myself, right? Me, I'm updating. What am I doing at all times? Prior to that, no one was sitting around taking photos of themselves all day. Right? <laughs> it just wasn't happening. Every day I sit down and write a letter to all 652 people I know and I mail it to them. So they yeah, know yeah, what I had version. for lunch today. Yeah. And so listen, and I'm not here to, to make a whole issue on social media. What I'm trying to say is our attention has gotten so inwardly focused. And with that, with that, our ability to process other people's events are momentary. Again, I'll go back to social media. If I whip through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, I'm going to see 900 updates of what's <laughs> happening in people's lives and yep. spend less than one second processing them. Maybe if it's a baby that just got born, someone just got engaged or someone died. I might spend two seconds processing that information. Short of that, the biggest events you could possibly have in someone's lives, no one cares. No one cares. Yeah. I think you, you've, you've hit two important points there. One, that we've turned the attention inward and two, the attention spans have decreased exponentially. The event horizon for something to matter is now so small, so short that even these major cataclysmic events, you brought this up the other day, Will, you're talking about the fact that like, look at the news now, what's still there, right? If we don't still care about coronavirus, we're still in the middle of the pandemic as we record this episode, by the way, if that's not news anymore, what the hell, right? If that isn't sticking in people's minds, right? Or a lot of the other social movements, right? There's a conflict in the Ukraine now, and that is occupying some news space for how many more days? I don't know. Until there's another news story. Until there's another news cycle, right? And so <laughs> if you think that somehow your startup failure matters at this scale, it just doesn't. It doesn't. And, and remember that like everyone has the same amount of hard drive space, or in this case, RAM that they've always had. But right now, there are so many things trying to fill that space. They just don't have the room to give a shit about you. Now, is that bad, right? Am I, of course it is, right? Yeah. It's terrible. It's not awesome. <laughs> it's a vortex of empathy. However, that's not my point. My point is in this particular case, where you, the one time when you need people to actually not care 
it's a good time to remind yourself that they actually don't care. We're not even in the capacity to hold on to this information. So all the people I'm about to get stressed about, I'm about to get stressed about, you know, what if the media picks up the story and reports on it? Cool. It will be a link that gets posted in someone's social media <laughs> for like a fraction of a second and they'll scroll right past it. Oh, what a, whoever went out of business, goodbye, right? That's it. That's all they care about. They're thinking, well, what are my social circles? They're, that's all they're going to be talking about is my failure. They don't care, right? You know what they care about? Their own failure. Your failure, a moment, right? It's not until something affects them that they actually spend time and dwell on it and kind of bookmark it for the future. Right now, at a time when we need the world to not care about us most, the world is working entirely in our favor. It's important <laughs> to keep that in mind. It is correct. Yeah. And I think that you touched on something really important there, which is the failure matters to the extent that it impacted them. Right. And so, yes, it matters to our team to the extent that it impacted them. Are they going to, to bemoan and belabor and be sad about the fact the entire business failed? Maybe a tiny bit for a second. What they're really going to be worried about, concerned about and impacted by is how it actually changed their lives until it didn't anymore. Right. I had a job. I no longer have a job. I'm going to go look for a job. I got a job. It's gone right? It's no longer relevant. That is the amount of time. And, and again, only that part of the impact mattered to them, right? So we have to be very careful. And I think it's also a fallacy that it's sort of like, well, it's additive, right? I, I had a founder argue this once, which is like, yes, but this impacted, you know, 75 people just a little bit, right? That's not, you don't, you don't get to stack that up and say, well, I need to suffer on behalf of 75 people. That isn't how it actually works. Also, they're going to spend exactly one second worrying about you. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to lose this point for a second because it's not incidental. All this pain and suffering that we're going through, kind of the weight of the world, if you will, where we're trying to absorb the, the failure and everybody else's impact. What we forget about for a second is the moment that our staff got the smallest hint that their lives might be impacted, they were calling recruiters and on LinkedIn in, in one second. You know what they weren't doing? They weren't coming into our office virtually or physically, closing the door and saying, hey, I heard things aren't going well. Are you going to be okay? No one's saying that. No one gives a shit about us, right? As much as we want to believe that everybody's going to go to the ends of it, try it. Try going to the end of a startup and see how many friends you have. See how many people will come back. I've watched so many founders in those last minutes when the ship is kind of just about to go underwater, looking around, they go, oh, everybody said they were going, you know, going all the way with this. They meant if it goes well. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. If it, they goes, meant well, if it right? goes well. If that ship starts cratering, they're gone. They're on the first life draft out of there. You are on your own. So all that time you're going to spend burning cycles thinking, oh, I can't believe how I failed them. You can. And I'm not saying we don't have a responsibility. We do. But don't mistake that for all of these people care about you in the same way you care about them. They're gone. Right. You're on your own. You know, by the way, I just want to mention if... What we're talking about today sounds like the kind of discussion you wish you were having more often. You actually can. You know, we're online all day, every day, working through exactly these types of topics with founders just like you. So any question you would have or maybe some problem you just want to work through, we're here and we love this stuff. And we're easy to find. You know, head over to groups.startups.com and let's just start talking. Yeah, for sure. The closest I have to a counter to that, and, and it actually just reinforces the point, sold a company and the acquirer kept it around for about 10, 11 months, and then it went out of business. 
And in the acquisition, some of this, some of the team stayed on. And these were, these were like employees one, two, three, four, seven, or something like that. We went and, and got a drink to kind of commemorate and, and, you know, to, you know, it was our bereavement, right? We got together and did a wake for the business as it failed. We had exactly one shot and then uh, we didn't talk about it anymore. And we just started laughing and bullshitting a bunch of other stuff, right? So, and these people had all just lost their jobs because of this failure, right? And that's exactly how long it took, right? One shot of relatively uh, cheap whiskey at a bar, <laughs> that was it. And then they moved on. So again, as founders, we have to get past these things. Right, we do. We don't earn any interest on this stuff. Be pragmatic about it. Yep, exactly. So the second thing I would say is that we're first so concerned that everyone cares. Again, they don't. The people that were directly affected, yes, they care for a minute and they move on. Everyone else that wasn't just moved on. Your investors were really upset about it at, at dinner that night and then never thought about it again. That was the end of it, right? It's just, they've all moved on. You're the only person that has it. Talk about that because this is, this is important, right? So why do they only care for that moment, right? Because they've got 20 other investments, maybe 100, depending on who you're talking about. They have other shit going on, right? Again, to that point of the people who were most impacted, that inner circle, they get over it quickly. When we get out to like the investors, the partners, the other, you know, the other people who were relying on us for some type of an outcome that's now not going to arrive, it's just more and more diminished. The further we get from that core population, the less and less the total impact was and the less and less the duration of the pain, if any, that they felt. Um, in the case of investors, like we've talked about this before on other podcast episodes, they expect this to happen, right? This is how most of their bets end. That is the nature of what they do. Ergo, it isn't gonna be something that they sit around and like beat themselves up over, right? Now, maybe if it was the, you know, your, your rich uncle who wrote that one startup check, maybe he's, you know, he'll be salty for the next two Thanksgivings, cool. I think the other thing that we assume though is not only do people care, but it is commemorated forever. Whatever <laughs> sure. I'm about to do, the failure that I'm about to have is frozen in the carbonite of startup lore forever, right? And I will always be haunted by this moment. So let's talk a little bit about <laughs> how no one actually remembers. And I'll start by saying there's a caveat. If you go out like Theranos, if you go yeah. out like WeWork, if you go out like Enron, yes, people. I mean, you know how much work you had to put in to go out like that? Like, I mean, like, like, as much as I don't condone the actions they took because they were all kind of quasi-criminal in many ways, the amount of work it took to get to that failure, you know, is beyond anything I've ever done. You have to, right, you have to try really, really hard. You have to. I mean, that's, it's cataclysmic, right? These are ones. And when we think about this, What's the success rate of startups, right? You can pin it anywhere between two and 10%, right? Depending on, on whose stats you're looking at, right? Which means that most of them fail. And yet we can pull at most a handful of these big memorable failures out of the tens of thousands of companies that exist out of the millions of companies that failed, that no longer exist. And yet this is the inventory that we have. They all have the same narrative, which is brash founder, and many <laughs> founders are brash, right? But brash founder goes out, has a ridiculous growth rate, right? Just something that was so supernatural that it lands you on magazine covers, which creates that kind of assumption that you're going to do these massive things. There's always the word billions attached to whatever <laughs> numbers that they're talking about. And you're always young and all, the, all these things. 
And so this expectation that this thing is going to be massive. Then all of a sudden, the house of cards comes down and we look on the inside and we realized it was all a lie, right? Everything was bullshit. Chances are there's a 99.99999% chance you're not one of those companies. And I tell you what, if you're Adam Newman of WeWork or Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos right now, listening to this, I applaud the, the greatness of your failure. Right? <laughs> the way you went about it or the quasi-criminal way you did it. Also, thank you for listening. But my point is, we think that our failure, back to our narcissism, our failure is going to have that level of weight in remembrance. This is once again, things work in our favor, Ryan. The startup world has such a freakishly short memory. Okay, so I don't have a good memory, right? As you you can you could admit. I'm surprised you remember that, Will. I have a hilariously bad memory, <laughs> but I have a goddamn Wikipedia-like remembrance of startup lore, of startup companies. And when people talk about, oh my God, I can't believe this person's doing that well, I'm like, nah, you know what? You know, it it didn't go as well as you thought. I think we talked about another episode, Elon Musk, and we were talking about kind of failure. And I said, you know, a lot of people kind of forget that Elon Musk was sitting in bankruptcy court, borrowing money from his friends so he could pay his bills every month, pleading to not get crushed by the judge in LA courts. He wasn't always the richest man alive, but people forget this stuff. At the time, if you're Elon Musk, you're thinking this is all people will remember. It is not. It's not at all what people remember because our memories aren't that good. And in the startup world, there's so much failure. We can't even store it all. It's just it's too exactly much. It. And we're happy to replace it with what's next, right? And, totally. and that's, that's sort of the point here, which is had Elon not gone and done anything else, right? Then what would have happened? Then that is the narrative that we'd remember, right? That would be what's stamped on. But I'll give you an example. Years ago, uh, like seven years ago, there was, <laughs> there was a company called Virtual. Oh, I know the story. That had one of the most epic overnight shutdowns <laughs> of all time. Yeah. And at the time, it was all over the press, right? Like 400 people had been like overnight. There was this venture darling and et cetera. And all of a sudden, it was just gone. I barely remember that story. And we bought the friggin' That's company. Right. That was, yeah, that's right. That was our story, right? right. <laughs> we were the, the person on the other side. If you sat me down now and interviewed me and said, tell me all the details of what actually happened, I kind of remember a few of the highlights. And that's our company. <laughs> that's how bad people's memories are. I remember brushing my teeth, but not shaving. I remember eating dinner, but not sleeping. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember a lot from that time. And it was a lot of action. Yeah, but you remember like any other life memory. Like, like you remember moments of it, right? Flashes. PTSD reliving it? No. So what I'm saying is that in our minds, everyone's going to remember exactly this. Same thing. Of the failures that I've had, of companies that I've started that have failed, when I talk to people about them now, and it's like 10 plus years ago, one, either they don't even remember the company anymore. Like Again, do you remember the job your, all your friends had 10 years ago? Why would you? <laughs> like That doesn't make any sense. No one cares anymore. And it's kind of like this. It's a soundbite. It's, oh, you did that one company. Yeah, whatever happened to that company? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly the question. Yep. But no one knows. No one cares. Nobody right? cares. Marin Donovan, the founder of Virtual, yeah. at the time was getting you know threats and everything. Like, like she was in the worst possible place. And I remember talking to her at the time. And I said, I know this sounds like shit now. And it is. But it's all going to go away. And at the time, you would have never thought this sounded like the dumbest advice in the world. Doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Doesn't feel like it. 
No. Yeah. When you're taking that level of artillery fire, right, the idea that it's somehow going to cease and everything will just go back to normal doesn't feel possible. It really doesn't. I think that's part of the trap. If Marin's on a podcast right now, someone will ask about it because it's a part of her story. Now it's a quip, right? Now it's an interesting story. Hang on to that for a second. So yes, if she's on a podcast and somebody's doing investigative journalism into her history as a founder, that will come up because it's part of that. You know where it will not come up? The next you know job that she wants to take, the next person she meets uh, at, a, at a friend's dinner, any of that shit. The rest of your life, i.e. how you spend 99% of your life, not on podcasts, not talking to people who are digging into everything you've done in the past, PI style, you're not going to face that, right? And again, like that, in, in the grand scheme of things, that was relatively recent history. And yet it might as well have been from the Byzantine period because it's forgotten, right? Nobody's paying attention to it anymore. Especially in our business, in the startup business, where there are so many stories to bury it. Constantly. Everything's moving fast. This is the nature of what we do. If you think about something really awful in your uh, local town, wherever you live, and something really often awful happened to somebody, there was an accident, somebody got killed, something like sure. that, that happened 10 years ago. Think of how you remember it. At the moment, it was the most awful thing ever. And now you're struggling to even remember the details. That's how people remember stuff, if you remember it at all, right? If it were you, if you were the person affected, of course you remember it. And even that memory fades. But again, this episode is about what everybody else thinks. And remember, people just don't have the capacity to remember this stuff. So over some period of time, and it's definitely not 10 years, even in a year from now, people will barely remember or care. And that's important because at the time, we think again that this is frozen forever and will always be this <laughs> massive tombstone of our career. And it's just bullshit. It just doesn't work that way. No, like, yeah, forever. Anytime I walk into a startup event now, I have to put on the dunce cap and sit in the corner because everybody remembers what I did wrong. Yeah, nobody, <laughs> shit. Yeah, nobody cares. So let's switch it. Let's talk about everyone cares about it, right? No, they don't. Everyone's going to remember. No, they don't. So what do I actually do? You know, we're very action-oriented folks. What do I actually do once this moment's happened? How do I basically rewrite the history and the answer is you start by changing the future. You change the future. You focus on what you're going to do next and you go all out on it. Two reasons. Reason number one is you're going to have more energy than you've ever had in your life. Not good energy, by the way, like sad, awful, <laughs> nope. you know, yeah. uh, crying in the fetal position, depressive energy. And that needs to go somewhere that doesn't involve you being sad in the fetal position crying. You have to have a place to put this energy. And it actually, here's the thing. It doesn't even matter what it is. People are like, oh, well, I don't have another startup idea or I'll never get funded again. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The only thing you have to do is anything that's not dwelling on 100%. the very recent failure. Anything else is exponentially better than that, even if it's not good. It doesn't matter if, it, if a lot of people go take a job next. Fine. Cool. Put all your energy into that job. Put all your energy into anything else. The second thing that that does, aside from diverting your energy, is it gives you some other story to tell. It gives you a new narrative. And I'll give you an example. When we failed at affordit.com, we raised some money, tried to raise more money, couldn't, business goes out of business. Who cares? Like Honestly, at the time, it was the most important thing that happened to me. Looking back, no one really gave a shit. right? Like, I, and this isn't me underselling it, but I will say I cared if you could do a, a level of 1 to 10 at the time and how much I cared, 10 being it captured every waking moment of my life, I was at a 50. 
right? So to say that it mattered to me, right, would be an understatement. Everything we're talking about is exactly what I went through. I thought everyone would care. I thought everyone would remember. I can't even remember what happened. I just know that it happened, but I barely remember what happened. However, what I didn't do well immediately is I just sat and stewed, right? What happened was when I got together with my friends or really anybody, nobody wanted to talk to me. Nobody wanted to ask me, how are things going? Nobody wanted to go to lunch with me because they knew eventually we were going to talk about how are things going. And nobody wants to be in my depressive soup. Right, right. And so I got stuck. I got stuck because I didn't create a next. I didn't create a new narrative. So I forced myself and everybody else to be mired, to be held back in this old narrative that I really needed to get past. And by the way, so did everybody else. Hold there for a second. So back up if you can to that point in time where nobody wanted to go to lunch with you. Nobody wanted to talk to you because they knew that this conversation was going to come up. To what extent do you think that slowed the process of your ability to being able to move on. Now, you know, you and I spend a lot of time talking to founders. You do a fantastic job of this where you'll reach out when you know the shit has hit the fan, you will reach out to founders, right? We all try to do this, but it's it's so so important. And I think founder to founder is very different than, you know, former colleagues or friends or whatever uh, because they won't have that same context. But if you go back in time to that point where you didn't have anybody to talk to, nobody reached out and, and gave you that, but how are you doing in all of this moment? How much do you think that stifled or deepened the sort of the depression, the struggle that you're going through at the time? I mean, it's so much worse. And that's why I reach out to people. When I hear a startup or a startup has failed, uh, something's come off the rails. I always try to hunt down the founder. By the way, a lot of times I don't even know the founder, right? So this is me just coming out of nowhere. And I always reach out. I always say kind of the same couple of things. This isn't like a rote response. It just happens to be usually what's appropriate. The first is I remind them that they're not alone, that there's many of us that have gone through this. The second thing is I remind them that I've done the same thing. Whatever you think my career was or wasn't. Most of us, most of us go through this. Right. And the third thing I say is there is always, always a way forward. Let's talk about that. That last part is what kind of catches people the most, is it doesn't occur to them while they're so kind of mired in, in the guilt and the shame and the humiliation, all these things that I felt that come with, with this moment in life, that there's something on the other side of it. This is a bad example, but it reminds me of when a kid has a breakup in high school for the first time, and they've never had a breakup before. And in their minds, this heartache and this pain will just project for the rest of their life. And they said as much, my whole life is over. It was it. it was my shot. I blew it. Yep. 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 <laughs> Done. Yeah. And they don't realize at the time that that's just a moment in time. And of course, the parent comes in and tries to tell them that. And they mean well, but it totally goes over their head because they don't give a shit. Because at the time, they're like, sure, whatever. I feel horrible and I don't see light at the end of this tunnel. Now imagine you're that kid and no one came to you. No one told you, right? They even planted that idea in your head. Or what's worse, you start to think that this really is the end, right? Whole career is over, right? In, in, in darker thoughts than that. It's at that time when folks need us the most. It's at that time when some idiot stranger you've never heard of from startups.com sends you a text <laughs> message or you know, DMs you or whatever yeah. and yep. says, listen, you're going to be okay, right? Let's sit down and talk about it. And to be fair, more often than not, founders will sit down and they'll talk to me about it, right? And we'll walk through it. I think it's one of the best things about being a founder is that when you do have other founders in your life, if you don't seek them out, they will attach themselves to you, is that we do have that environment. It does exist. It doesn't just automatically happen. It's not like getting a job and you automatically have colleagues. 
going to school and just having a cohort of friends just by based on proximity, you have to build it. You have to find it. You have to seek it out. And it's a big part of what we're trying to provide through startups.com. But when you have that, it's such an open, honest, and giving space that it completely changes things, right? Like I think that being a founder on your own is one of the absolute hardest and most miserable things to do. Being a founder who's well-supported is one of the most awesome fucking things to do, right? <laughs> That's why we keep doing this. And so, yeah, you, you have to, you have to cultivate that. You have to have people around you that have that context, that can walk into that room and explain to you that, yes, this happens to nearly everybody. Yeah, it sucks. And I know how bad it sucks because I've already done it, right? We've been there. And it's such a powerful thing to have that level of empathy. And, you know, just for a minute or two, some commiseration. And then that energy and support and help to just get up, pick up and move on and change the narrative. To your point, if we don't work hard or work at all, in some cases, to change the story, that is how it will end, right? We don't want to leave it at that. We don't want to leave it sitting in this point of failure. We just got to get up, dust off and keep moving. And then from that point forward, nobody else will remember the shitty story of what happened to you a year ago, three months ago, a week ago the minute you start telling them a newer, more exciting, future-focused narrative, right? It's that simple. Well, well, let me build on that. There's two steps to that. The first step is not telling a better narrative, right? And I think yeah. that's where we get a little bit of <laughs> oh. where we say, hey, I started what was WeWork. So whatever my next thing I do has to be, it has to be immediately as, as bright and successful as WeWork appeared to be. Not the case. Step one is do fucking anything else other than what yes. you're doing right now. <laughs> I don't care what it is. What it is. Just yep. do anything else. Step one of the narrative is just to have something to talk about that isn't what you just what you're doing. If Adam Newman, right, in his next job is bagging groceries, doesn't matter. So long as it's not a narrative about what he was doing before. They both have the opportunity for the bottom to fall out. <laughs> That was so bad. <laughs> I'm laughing at how bad I, that was. I had I, to put it in. Well done. The second one is the time it's going to take to build your comeback career is going to take years. It doesn't matter what brilliant brainstorm you have. I think we all get in the same mentality, which is the only way to be the comeback kid is I've got to double down and do something bigger and better the next time to show everybody that I can do it to prove and validate and all these things, right? <laughs> and yep. by all means, there will be a time and a place for that. And I wish you well. However, right now isn't the time or the place. Right now is just a time to reset. Give yourself a minute. And here's why. Because remember, we did episodes. This is a long time ago. We did an episode on the worst idea you'll ever have is the next idea after your last idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you just sold your company and you're like, hey, I've got this great idea for the next thing. Almost intuitively, it will be the worst idea you've ever worked on. Every now and again, it works, but that's just total luck. Generally doesn't. This is exactly that moment. We're going to struggle so hard because we want to beat the last idea that we're not going to take the natural amount of time it takes to find and develop good ideas. So, which is why I say step one is just to do literally anything else so you can change the narrative. In step two is, okay, then when you feel the time is right, then go look for next thing. But not all at once. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think that, that that step one is important, right? It's to do anything else. And if we go back to the intention here, right? So why are we going? Why are we moving on? Why are we trying to change the narratives? We want to erase this big, bad thing that happened. 
What we forget is that the eraser required to do that isn't nearly as big as we think, right? It isn't a complicated process. We think we have to come up with, if I failed at WeWork, then shit, I better have co-working spots on the moon next so that nobody will remember that I failed here on Earth. No, like all you have to do is be doing anything else that people can reference so that they don't only have that as the reference point, they will gladly forgive that failure and move right the fuck along without any help, as long as you give them at least that, right? All you have to do is be doing anything else, and all of that is erased, right? They will not be dwelling on the same shit you're dwelling on simply because you give them anything else to think about. It's all you have to do, right? I think it's really, really important because the intent is good, right? Move forward, create change, erase this thing that happened, right? At least get past it. Not maybe not erase it, but at least move beyond it. I think that the effort required to move beyond is so much smaller than everybody believes it to be in the moment. To your point, like you think you have to do this massive, amazing thing to cover up what just happened. You don't, right? Lift the rug, sweep it under, move on. It's done. Nobody cares. All right. So that was fun. But let's actually keep this conversation going. You've heard what we think about this, but, you know, Ryan and I would really like to hear what you think. And we're online, like, all day long, pretty much talking about every startup topic you could think of, from fundraising to customer acquisition to just really how to get all of this crazy startup stuff out of your head. And there's tons of other founders just like you. They're weighing in on these topics, so you'll get a chance to just hang out and meet some really smart founders. We're also super, super easy to find. You head over to groups startups.com and let Ryan and I hear what's on your mind. Let's get to know each other a little bit and let's just start having more of these conversations.